the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the Word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to the show, the Monday program. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas, and this is The Word to Stand On for Life, a program dedicated to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, questions about stuff going on in your life, whatever is on your heart. All you have to do is provide the phone call, 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com, or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. And as always, if you are driving in your car, the safest way to call is to use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the Call Now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hey, we are ready to go today. I hope you had a great weekend in church. We did. It was a busy weekend. I uh, had uh, lots of people here. It's Super Bowl Sunday. It's kind of a weird Sunday in church because, uh, there, you know, Super Bowl parties and all those things are sort of foundational now in our culture. So it's it's one of the least attended. We had room in our service yesterday, but a lot more people showed up than I thought would show up. And uh, it's really neat. People got saved and other people uh, made some recommitments to the Lord. It's really a good, good day. And then we got to go out. And I had the privilege, I mentioned this on Friday, I had the privilege of doing a wedding for two kids that have grown up in our church. And and I've known them their whole lives. And, uh, you know, that's just one of God's little kisses for me after all these years. Um, it's just every once in a while I get a little bit of a blessing. You'll say, see, this is what I've allowed you to be a part of. And it was really, really great. It was a big wedding, a lot of people there. The woman that got married, and I have to call her woman now because she's married. The woman who got married is actually our producer um, here, our producer's daughter. And it was just really a great, great time and to see these kids growing up. And then I think one of the most startling things to me was watching the groomsmen and bridesmaids. There were eight of them each. And, and of course, all of them, well, almost all of them grew up here, and I know them all. And it's just amazing to be able to see what the Lord is doing. So uh, I'm really enthused about uh, about what the Lord is doing in our youth, and we'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. Um, so it was a good good time. Just a quick um, reminder, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we're going to be having our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies at 7 o'clock. Uh, the ladies are in the book of Ruth. Uh, Pastor Ken uh, will be teaching them in, and then Pastor Chris and Pastor Matthew, the junior high and high schoolers, respectively. That's all at 7 o'clock. We have child care for any little ones, so you really can make it a family affair. It's a really, really good opportunity to do that. Okay, let's get to some questions while we await your phone calls. The first one is what I want to talk about, so I'm going to take a few minutes, so please be patient with me. Um, But it's from Richard, and he wants to know if I know anything about 
what is going on in Asbury, Kentucky. Um, Richard, by now, social media, you know, it used to take a long time for information to, to s- circulate, but no longer, no longer. I got an email from another Calvary Chapel pastor today, and, and you know, did you hear what's going on in, in Asbury, Kentucky? It's a college there, university there. Uh, it's kind of famous because in 1970, this is a seminary uh, and a college campus. And uh, in 1970, there was sort of a mini revival there. And um, what happened, Richard, was on Wednesday of last week, they were having their regular chapel service. It's a three-day-a-week thing. Uh, And this is for college students. This isn't even the seminary students. The college students come to chapel. And uh, there was a a little bit of worship and then a quick uh, message on repentance and forgiveness. And then there was uh, more worship. And what happened is the kids didn't go home. It just grew and grew and grew. Uh, now, and I can't do the math, but but in excess now of 90 hours, uh, the place has been absolutely packed. Now, some of the kids are going uh, home to sleep or going to their dorm rooms to sleep, but they're coming back first thing in the morning. And this is going on and on and on. And from from the outside, Richard, it looks like it's genuine. Now, we don't know anything for sure until we see how it lives on, you know, what the fruit is going to be. But right now, uh, these young students are spending their time. There's no, the messages are very small, very short. Just people will have a word of, of knowledge or, or a scripture or something. But for the most part, this is just people repenting and worshiping. Uh, there's music going on in the background and they'll break out in song and they'll just keep going and going. Um, but the but the real key is that people are repenting and revival, and that's what they're calling this already. Maybe that's a bit premature, but um, revival begins with repentance. There's no revival without repentance. And what's happening from all the accounts that I have read, and I read a lot of them today since that uh, email I got, um, the the uh, it appears as though um, people are really being moved by the Spirit to repent of sins, of, of rebellion against God. Um, they're repenting of holding on to unforgiveness, and they're actually contacting people and asking them to forgive them. Um, they're, they're, they're letting go of the hurts that have been caused to them, uh, no longer being unforgiving towards those who have hurt him. And evidently, Richard, what's really, really happening is that the Spirit of God has chosen this particular place at this particular time. And he is meeting with these students. There's a 1,500-person capacity in the auditorium where they're meeting. And uh, there are, by all accounts, many hundreds more than that. They're in the aisles. Um, One of the students brought a mattress from his dorm and is just staying there the whole time. Uh, But there's uh, um, hundreds and hundreds more than the capacity. Now people are starting to come from all over the United States uh, to be a part of it. Uh, And I think this is something that we really need to pray about. We need to pray that this is genuine. Uh, Our nation, and and Richard, so many of us, uh, including and, and even especially me, we've been praying for one more revival, one more genuine move of God's Spirit before Jesus comes. We we believe with all of our heart that Jesus is coming soon, uh, and we want people saved. And uh, if this revival is really a revival, if it's genuine, well, that's the next thing that we'll get reports of. People will be getting saved. Not just Christians repenting, but people will be getting saved. And that needs to be our prayer. We need not to be cynical about this. And every time there's a revival, we know the devil is going to come along and try to counterfeit it or trying to ruin it. We already have some uh, pretty infamous names of people saying, well, I'm going to go and see what's going on there, and I'm going to take control of this thing. And and these are people that have been proven uh, to lack credibility. So the devil's going to try to interrupt it. That's why it's important for the rest of us to be constantly in prayer for those young men and young women in Asbury, Kentucky, Asbury University, and uh, just pray. You can go on YouTube and and, and get some of the real-time um, uh, videos of what's going on. Uh, and I think it's something that we all ought to be on our knees 
over. As soon as I heard it and saw what was happening and saw the hearts of these young people, um, the, the two, two emotions instantly sprang up. One is, oh, God, this is the answer to my prayer. And the second emotion was, oh, Lord, I want that to happen here as well. So I think that's a good prayer for all of us. Lord, let your spirit have his way in Kentucky and bring people everywhere. It's interesting to me that God always chooses the foolish things. Well, Kentucky, why Kentucky? It doesn't matter. But there were some kids there with the heart to find the Lord. They wanted a genuineness, a sincerity in their relationship. And God has really been meeting him there. And now if our flesh doesn't get in the way, if we are on guard against the enemy getting in the way, there's no weird stuff happening yet. There's no um, um, shaking or falling out. Uh, just if, if we'll stay out of the way, then I believe that the Holy Spirit will continue to do something that is remarkable. And remember, these are young people. You go to a college campus, even a conservative college campus, even one that's connected with the seminary. And by the way, they're connected with a denomination that is not known for its, its faithfulness to the Word of God. But the reality is, is God is going to have his way and he's going to move hearts. And what we want is to see young people coming out of lifestyles of sin. We want people to, to decide that what God wants is more important than what they think is right or wrong. And that, by all accounts, is what's happening there. Uh, it's been described as, and there's people going out of curiosity, it's been described as walking in and there's just a spirit of or a sense of of gentleness and kindness. And people say they walk in and, and in, in, in minutes, literally minutes, uh, they're at rest both emotionally and physically. They, they, they didn't intend to stay and, and some of those people have stayed now for days simply because they don't want to get up. They don't want to leave. They've got other things to do. The college has, in fact, canceled classes because they want to see what God is going to do and they want to give the kids the opportunity to be there and participate. And, and, and that's one of the reasons I'm so very, very hopeful for all of you, not just you, Richard, but for all of you in the audience. We really need to, to be prayerful about this not cynical, as I said earlier, but prayerful and hopeful that this is a real move of God's Spirit because it could spread. The last one uh, was in the uh, late 60s, early 70s, and that was the Jesus Movement. I'll talk about that in a moment. Um, and, and, you know, that movement saved hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people throughout the world. And still, we're part of the Jesus movement. Calvary Chapel was, was where the Jesus people movement began. And um, so many lives have been changed. And now, in these last days, with the lying spirit that's been around, you know, the apostasy or the falling away has already begun. Uh, our nation deserves to be judged. We have turned in hostility against God. And there's only one answer. Just one. And that answer is a revival. A revival. Now, two things. If it's really a revival, it will also turn into a revival. And these kids want to know what God's Word says. They're in the Word. There's words of wisdom and words of knowledge that are coming. There are exhortations that are being given throughout this thing. And um, a return to the Word. This coming Wednesday, I'm studying Josiah, who is my personal favorite king. Uh, eight years old, and, and, and he leads what, what the world would call a revival, what I call a revival. They found the Word of God, the Law of Moses. It was lost in the temple, in the house of God. Well, we've lost the Word in many houses of God. And these kids, these young people, are, are rediscovering the Word of God, and there is a deep hunger. And make no mistake, if this is a genuine revival, and if your hearts are revived, you'll have a hunger and a thirst for the Word of God. And, and there's simply no other way to describe it. You, know, you can't say, well, I want to be with Jesus, but I don't really care about the Bible. That's not a move of God's Spirit in your heart. That's just flesh. And so they're connected and that's what these kids are representing. So uh, we need to be praying for them. But let's take it one step farther. And I don't know how many people are in this audience. I'm told we have a huge audience. 
But here's what I would ask you to do. Pray that this revival would spread right here to Universal City, Texas, right here to San Antonio, Texas. That we too would be moved by God's Spirit to repent. I don't need weeks-long meetings. That's not what I'm talking about. I want people to get right with God. And in order to do that, you've got to recognize that we're sinners. And our sin needs to be dealt with. We can't excuse or rationalize why we continue to hold unforgiveness. We can't rationalize why our mouths are filthy. We can't rationalize um, certain lifestyles or things that we want to do and call it Christian. We've got to repent. And if we'll do that, I mean, why would God withhold his spirit and the move of his spirit here? So we want to be a part of this. I'd love for the young people in Asbury, Kentucky, to be our brothers and sisters in this revival. So pray, pray, pray. But also remember, and I'm going to steal something from J. Vernon McGee that I heard many, many years ago, probably 30 years ago. He said, if you want to pray for revival, the only right way to pray for revival is to draw a circle on the ground and stand inside that circle and then pray, Lord, let revival begin in this circle. So revival begins. We, we always say a revival is something happening outside of us, and we want to be a part of that. But revival begins in our hearts. So forgive my passion here, but this is or could be what we've been praying for. One more move of God's Spirit before Jesus comes for his church. And the reason that matters so much is that everyone in this audience, and, and, and I'm including myself, We all have somebody that we've been praying for, somebody that we love, most of us many somebodies, that if Jesus comes today, they're going to be left behind in the Great Tribulation and literally closer to hell than they will be to heaven. And we've got to accept that. But in order for this to be a genuine revival, in order to to summon the Spirit in His work here to Texas, we've got to recognize that the Word of God never changes. We've got to recognize that compromise, our unwillingness, so many Christians, our unwillingness to stand up for God and stand up with Him in these last days because we're afraid of what people will say or what people will think or maybe it could cost us a job. We've got to repent of that. We've got to repent of accepting people's sin just because we don't want to feel like they think we're judging them. So if revival's going to happen, believe me, the revival is going to be a committed one. And having said that, again, I'm going to plead with all of you to be in prayer that this would be a genuine move of God's Spirit that would receive right here. We can pray that crazy stuff doesn't start happening, that the the, the Lord would, would sort of block the enemy and his attempts to, to, to ruin this or to counterfeit it. Um, but, but be in prayer for these young men and women. I've often said that if revival is going to come one more time, it's going to start in an unlikely place with an unlikely group. And personally, I have always believed that in the LGBTQ uh, community, that's where revival will begin. That's where revival will begin. So please, 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 Richard, thank you for asking the question. But for everybody listening to this, please be diligent uh, and fervent in your prayers for uh, this move of God's Spirit. We want it to be genuine. Don't get caught up in the analysis and the cynicism of others. Let's just give God's Spirit the opportunity to do whatever it is he wants to do. They've been there since Wednesday. More and more people are coming. Let's just hope, because they're running out of room, or they've already run out of room, let's just hope that God just says, well, okay, if we don't have room, let's just spread it to other places. That's what happened in the Jesus Movement days, the Jesus People revival in the uh, late 60s and early 70s when hippies were getting saved. And believe me, uh, I'm, I'm, I was one of those hippies, at least sort of I was a fake hippie, but um, um, the hippies were the outcasts, the worst of the worst. They were considered as refuse 
in this world and in large part by much of the church world. And God used hippies. Well, today he can use the LGBTQ community. He can use a college campus. And we just need to be on our knees in prayer and support. Okay, having said that, I said I have one other thing to talk about. And that refers to the uh, the Jesus People movement in the 70s. There is a new movie coming out. It's out in most places. Please be patient with my voice after the services yesterday and the wedding. I don't have much of it left. But um, there's a new movie coming out called The Jesus Revolution. And it's um, Greg Laurie's account. Most of you in this audience are familiar with Greg Laurie. He is on this station uh, regularly and has been for a long time. Uh, he has been a Calvary Chapel pastor for many, many years. And he is an evangelist. And uh, uh, he is sort of the the perspective from which the movie is given. And in his case, um, uh, it, it just sort of goes back to his salvation experience, and then you're kind of with him. Uh, Kelsey Grammer is the actor who plays uh, Pastor Chuck, who was uh, sort of the the leader of the uh, Jesus movement. Um, Lonnie Frisbee, who is another, um, uh, maybe the key figure at the very beginning of the Jesus People movement, uh, Lonnie Frisbee is played by Jonathan Ramey, I think his name is, is the way he pronounced it. But he is the man who plays Jesus on The Chosen. And it just sort of takes us back to the Jesus People uh, movement, how it started, uh, how God was in it, how how the Lord used um, what we would now call contemporary Christian music before there was even a name for it. But it was an amazing thing uh, because these hippies were getting saved. And I don't mean, you know, five or ten or twenty. I mean, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds every day. And they were getting saved. A lot of these hippies had guitars and, and some of them were playing in bands and all of them were on dope and LSD and all kinds of other things. And um, they got saved one day and the next day they come back to Pastor Chuck and say something along the lines of, of um, the Lord gave me a song last night, Chuck. Want to hear it? And Pastor Chuck said, "Well, yeah, I want to hear it." And and um, and 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 these these groups. This is where the contemporary Christian music was born. But it was so pure. There was no business. There was no contracts. Nobody was getting paid. They were singing because they loved the Lord. Love song was was one of the the primary groups. But Acts twenty eight and and later there would be others, Larry Norman and and others. And the problem is that we commercialized God's move of His Spirit then, and contemporary Christian music became a business. And it just was so pure at the beginning. And people were getting saved, literally thousands at Saturday night concerts. Um, having church once a week or twice a week was never enough. People just showed up, and so there were church services every night. And a lot of those hippie pastors are now people that are well-known, and in some cases, people that you listen to on this program. Now, I'm old enough to be one of them, but I wasn't saved. But Pastor Raul Reese, who is a dear friend of mine, um, he was one of those uh, guys. He wasn't a hippie, but he was sort of a a, a mind blown uh, military guy, special forces guy. Um, of course, Greg Laurie, who's in it. Uh, so many of them uh, whose lives were changed and used to change the lives of thousands of others. Uh, so um, go see it, enjoy it, and um, you know it's a good quality movie. Um, Greg Laurie, again, is one of the advisors because he was there, but it talks about uh, the baptisms at the Cove in the Pacific Ocean. Uh, it, it just, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good story, and I think as Christians we can support the movie as well. Hopefully we want other movies um, to be able to done well with a, with a positive message. 
So that's my, I took the whole first half hour of the program. So the next half hour, we'll leave it all to you, the questions that have been sent. And we would love to have uh, your comments on this move of God's spirit in Kentucky or whatever your questions are. Uh, We'd love to have you call. Uh, Our number is 210-340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email your questions to us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel of San Antonio mobile app. So let's get ready for the second half of the program. We would love your calls and questions. And remember, please, be praying that this move of God's Spirit is genuine. I'm going to tell you one more time, Jesus is coming. And He's coming really, really soon. And we need to be ready. And in the meantime, we've all got people that we know and love on our prayer lists, people that we plead with God for every day. And a move of God's Spirit is how it's going to begin. If you want to participate, it's simple. Repent. Let go of those things that are hindering your walk. Paul says, Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles you. Let nothing quench the Spirit's work in you because that's where revival begins. We've got 30 minutes left. 340-9585. We'll be back in two minutes. To the word to stand on for life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the second half of our Monday program. I'm so sorry that I went off in that first half hour of the program, but this is so important for us. So I'll stop now so I don't go off again. 340-9585 for your live calls and questions. Let's go to Bernie now and talk with Jarrett on line one. Jarrett, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Yeah, thanks for taking my call, Pastor Ron. Uh-huh. I, hey, don't apologize about going off on revival. <laughs> that, that, that's, uh, that's a beautiful thing. And I, my, I'm on my knees as well, just praying that it's that the Holy Spirit will continue to be poured out. And I just, I wanted to call I, and just kind of encourage maybe your listeners and yourself, but um, there is, there's a groaning for the Holy Spirit in, in our communities. Uh, and I'll preface this that I am never grew up in a, a church, uh, was saved, you know, when I was 31 years old. Uh, do not attend a Pentecostal church, but there is a there's a groaning in our city, uh, in our communities, uh, for the Holy Spirit to be poured out, and um, and amongst the conservative, amongst a lot of conservative people right now, and I, I uh, I've seen it, uh, I've seen um, I've seen it poured out in some third world countries. And and I've seen people that um, d- people that were filled with with the demonic spirit come to know Jesus because yep. the Holy Spirit showed up in a mighty way, and there was repentance and crying out, and and the move can happen anywhere, and it usually happens in the most likely places. I had a, a good question asked to me the other day by a fellow believer and asked me, "Where have you seen the hand of God?" Uh, in our community here in the West, and um, I'll tell you, there's a there's a there's a, a ministry up in the hill country where I've witnessed uh, gentlemen with coming out of jail, halfway house, have white supremacist tattoos all over them, mm-hmm. and they're loving on their African American brothers, the Mexican mafia brothers. They're around the table. They're worshiping God. They are crying out to the Lord in repentance, studying the Word of God, yeah. reading the Word of God, and it the hand of God is is on that place. So there's revival taking place. Now this is a beautiful thing that's going on in Asbury, and uh, but I just want to encourage people, 
the Holy Spirit Joel 2 prophecy, it's taken place, and it will. It will take place. The Word of God uh, will stand. And I just wanted to encourage encourage you uh, and encourage our the listeners out there to, to be on their knees and ask for it. Thank you, In Jared. Luke 11, Jesus says, ask for the Spirit. Ask for the Holy Spirit. He will not hold back. He will not hold back. God bless you. Thank you, Jared. I appreciate it very, very much. Um, you know, this is we, revival. All we have to do is look around. And we know that revival is needed. Now, Jarrett said one thing. He said a lot of conservative people, and, and I know he didn't mean it this way, but one of the things that I want to communicate to, to this audience is that revival is not going to come to people who are looking for a solution from a political perspective. You know, the, the idea of revival is to go get the people on the other side. You know, conservative people, we think we're good. We think we're okay. We're not. We need to repent. We need to get rid of those things that are entangling our walk with the Lord. And, and, and you know, politics aside, and, and Jared is absolutely right, most Christians, real born-again Christians, are conservative by nature. That That's the picture that we get from the Word of God. But those of us who are hoping that uh, the next election will bring a move of God's Spirit. God's Spirit has nothing to do with our politics. This is about the condition of our hearts before God. And for those Christians who are hoping for a change in government or our nation to come back to conservative values or a Judeo-Christian template, uh, they're missing the whole point. Revival comes to a place where we realize what, what did Paul said, a wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this body of death? I thank my God through Jesus Christ. And when we get to that place, and one of the reasons that um, the, the the white supremacists that he mentioned and, and or Mexican mafia people, other gangs, other murderers, it doesn't matter. Uh, one of the reasons that God's Spirit can move upon their hearts is because they're destitute of spirit and they come to the realization that they're destitute of spirit. So let's don't make this political. Let's don't make this, um, um, well, I want people to agree with me. No, we've got to look into our own hearts. And until we get to that place where we can say, oh, wretched man or wretched woman that I am. And that's not what's being teached. That's not what's being preached in our churches. Until we get to that place, there will be no personal revival. And I don't want anybody in this audience... I don't want them to, to, to watch from the outside what God is doing in willing people. I want instead for us to become those willing people. God bless you, Jared. I thank you for your prayers. Let's go to a question that we have. This one is from Alex from our email inbox. Howdy, Pastor Ron. I have a question about Luke's account of the faithful and evil servant in chapter 12, verses 35 to 48. I recently heard a Catholic apologist use this text to defend the doctrine on purgatory, which I believe is unbiblical. Having said that, the Catholic argument seems logical. The parable speaks of three people or groups. One is cast among the unbelievers and two are punished to varying degrees, depending on their knowledge of the Master's will, but are not cast among the unbelievers. Do you have a perspective on this parable? Also, God bless you and your ministry. I listen to you almost every day, but I'm usually driving, so it's difficult to call. Alex, thank you very, very much. Um, Alex, this Catholic apologist needs to apologize for his misuse of this text, because this text has nothing to do with purgatory. Now, we can twist. I had a question last week about the difference between exegesis and eisegesis. And eisegesis is reading into a passage of Scripture and coming up with a conclusion that you've already predetermined is right. The Catholic Church um, has already determined, well, I'm going to find something in the Bible that, that uh, uh, demonstrates that purgatory is real. Uh, and so then they start stretching the text. There is nothing in the Bible, nothing, Old Testament or New, that gives any credibility at all to purgatory. It simply doesn't exist. And they have, well, from the very beginning, used the idea of purgatory as an opportunity to raise money, um, alms, indulgences. Um, you can give this and we'll 
pray your loved one out of purgatory. It's not real. It doesn't happen. And it's evil. Now, let me talk about this parable for a few moments because it's a wonderful parable. Uh, It's about readiness. It begins, Jesus saying, be dressed, ready for service and keep your lamps burning. Now, being ready means that you've got the equipment necessary to do whatever the job that God requires you to do. It means that if you're coveting material or worldly things, um, then you're not dressed and ready for the return of the Lord. Uh, Being ready is to serve more than just showing up at church. You know, we live in a church culture, Alex, where people think going to church is serving God. It's not serving God. It's just showing up. And being ready means we need to keep our lamp burning. Psalm 119 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet. So we need to be ready in season, out of season, for whatever comes. And when he says, like men waiting, I'm not going to read the whole passage, but but uh, he says, like men waiting for their master to return from uh, a, a wedding banquet so that when he comes um, and knocks, they can immediately open and be ready. Uh, what Jesus is doing in this verse is shifting the focus from worrying about our material needs to being careful about um, the future. So um, what he's doing, he's just instructing them to do the opposite of the foolish farmer uh, in an earlier parable. So this issue is readiness and the things that interrupt our readiness. And um, what he's saying is, look, it'll be good for the servant whose master finds him watching when he comes. It will not be good for the others. And I could go on and on and on about that. But the reality is Jesus... um, just wants us to be ready. That's all it is about. Let's go to Ruben on line one from Seguin. We've got other people. Oh, Ruben hung up. Okay, so we've got Scott from Von Army, Texas. Um, so, Scott, you are on the air. Good afternoon, Pastor Ron. Thank you, Scott. A um, couple of things. One, I, it was too late Friday for me to call when you were talking about uh, um the time or how God's outside of time. I just wanted to comment because I know, I know you're a friend with John Corson, but his son, Ben, I heard him one time teaching on that, and he was talking about how this very moment is eternity past to God, this very moment is present to God, and this very moment is eternity future to God. And anyway, I just thought that kind of went with what you were talking about Friday. But the other question I have for you is what you guys are talking about with the revival. Um, and, 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 and maybe I just hear you, you maybe explain it a little bit, the difference between like a, a, a revival and an awakening. Because it seems like in our culture today that we need an awakening as much as we need revival within our churches. Um, but anyway, I just, um, my, my understanding is a, is a, a revival is, is the believers coming you know, getting straight with God, where awakening is is uh, the lost coming to God. But I'll I'll, I'll uh, listen to you on the air. Thank you, Scott. Great points. Before before I get to awakening and revival, uh, let me say, and because you mentioned John Corson is a friend, uh, I've had John Corson here at the church in the past. Um, one of the godliest men I've ever known. Um, he's retired now. Um, um, so, so this, it, what I'm about to say breaks my heart. But Ben Corson has disqualified himself from ministry. Uh, it's not something that's just come up lately. He has repeatedly done things that disqualify him from ministry, and he's not someone that anybody should listen to. Uh, he's a young man, was very popular as a young man, um, kind of went to his head, uh, and he's just done some really, really horrible things. So uh, all of that to say... He's not somebody that we ought to be listening to uh, at all. He's disqualified from ministry, and the fact that he's staying in ministry without having repented, uh, without, uh, I mean, the, the things he's done are, are uh, he should never be a pastor again. So let me just say that, and I say that with a broken heart. Now, regarding uh, revival and an awakening, um, you, you, we do need an awakening, um, the, the Welch revival was an awakening. People that were were unsaved and living in sin um, got saved in, in the Jesus people movement. 
um, people getting saved, people whose lives were so far from God. And, and from the outside, we would look and think, well, he's so far from God that, that uh, he'll, he'll, he can't possibly be saved. Um, but but we, we also need to remember that judgment begins at the house of God. So before an awakening can occur, Scott, there needs to be a revival. The church needs to be holy. I mean, I want you to think about what church looks like in the United States, and, and I'm going to confine my remarks to our country. But but we've got churches whose mission is to make people comfortable, even in their sin. They don't want to talk about sin. All they're concerned about is large numbers of people and the, the money that they get as a result. And, and everybody likes them because they just tell you good stuff. But, but you know, revival begins with the spirit cutting to our heart you know in in the book of acts when the holy spirit made his grand entrance into uh the world uh acts chapter two um the result of peter's message was they were king james pricked to the heart i mean they they knew peter said you killed god and they knew they were guilty and that's what has to happen first. That cannot happen if Peter's message was a seeker-sensitive message. You know, we're more interested in magnificent buildings and, and smoke uh, effects and light shows and putting on really, really good and cool worship than we are about preaching repentance from sins. So before an awakening can happen, the church has to wake up. If there's going to be one last move of God's Spirit before Jesus comes, God. Well, then there has to be a church that is ready for those people. And as long as we're not pursuing personal holiness, as long as we remain compromised as we are, as long as people are going to church because that's the Christian thing to do, instead of going to church to be filled with God's Spirit and to be used by God and sharing the gospel with other people, as long as that's the case, then God's work begins in the house of God. And I think part of the problem, Scott, is that too many of us inside the church, we look at those outside the church as, oh, those people are broken, those people are defective, oh, those people are living egregious lifestyles. And God is saying, hey, hey, <laughs> it's, it's not time to go looking at the speck in other people's eyes. How about getting the beam out of your own eye first? And one of the things we're currently in the book of Acts, or in the book of Acts on Sunday mornings here, I uh, just finished chapter 5 uh, yesterday. Um, one of the things that we've got to understand is that God hates compromise. He hates hypocrisy. He hated it so much that he killed Ananias and Sapphira when hypocrisy first came into his pure church. He's not doing that anymore. So we're far more comfortable with being hypocrites and being compromised and not being sold out, not being committed and not being ready. And I think Jesus' words in that parable that Alex asked about is applicable to all of us. We need to be ready because he's coming soon. He's coming soon. The signs are all around us. But right now the church isn't ready. There's a lot of people that are going to be left behind that Jesus wants in heaven. So our job is to round up those who are appointed for salvation. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. It's always wonderful to hear from you. I hope you're doing well. Here's a question from Jennifer in San Antonio. Uh, have I done any research on Pastor Steve Gregg and the Narrow Path? Jennifer, I have not. Uh, the name is not familiar. Um, I like the name of the ministry, the Narrow Path, because it seems like he's telling the truth. But here's what I will do. I will do some research on uh, Steve, uh, and I'll get it, uh, what I find on uh, tomorrow's program. Um, I know he's out of Temecula, California. Um, very familiar. He was a member of Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in the 70s, which means that he would have been um, part of the Jesus People movement. Um, so I have real hope that it's a good one. But I'll tell you more tomorrow. He is not currently a Calvary Chapel pastor, I can tell you that, or I would have recognized the name. But Jennifer, if you can be patient with me for uh, one day, I'll, I'll open the top of the program tomorrow. My producer is making that note right now. So thank you very much for 
the question. Here is a question from Margie. She says, if my husband doesn't want to lead, what do I do? Margie, here's what you do. And this is so counterintuitive. But here's what you do. You sit down with your husband. I'm assuming he's a Christian. Uh, There's a lot of laid-back men. And they just soon let the ladies, you know, we don't want the responsibility or the accountability. But here's what you do when you're sitting together reading the Word or when you're in prayer together. Um, and, and if he's not, if you're not reading the word together, and if you're not in prayer, uh, then just say we need to have a, a meeting. Let's let you and I meet because I got something to talk to you about. And just tell him. And this is uh, this is not an easy thing to broach, but here's what you do: you say, "Look, God says you're the leader of this house, and because you haven't led, I've taken over." If that's the case, usually it is. There's a vacuum in leadership. It'll be filled by the people around. Uh, I've taken over sometimes, but I've been convicted by the Holy Spirit, and I'm simply not going to do that anymore. So, husband, if you don't lead this home, nobody will. As for me, I'm going to follow Jesus with all of my heart, but you're the leader in this home, and you need to step up and be obedient to God. And then just talk about it, pray about it, and keep him in prayer constantly. You know, leadership is a daunting thing. Too much is given, much is required, Jesus said. And a lot of us, we don't like to be accountable for that kind of responsibility. But um, Margie, if you take over, if you lead, uh, just because you're closer to the Lord or because um, you're more in tune with the Word, um, then, then what you've got is an unnatural situation in the home. So... Just tell him, I'm not going to lead. You're going to make the decisions. I'm going to entrust that you're going to pray about those decisions. And I'm going to follow the Lord. And if you blow everything up, Jesus will take care of me. I think that's a really important thing to go. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. I'm just told we only have five minutes left in the program. I can't believe how quickly the time is going, except I'm talking a lot. Here is a question from our email inbox anonymously. Uh, Pastor Ron, I have heard you say, or at least I hope I misunderstood, that we as Christians are not to be bothered about the government or with politics. Did I hear that right or did I misunderstand? My son is taking a U.S. government class in school and I want to be able to counsel him how to think about it. Any thoughts? Uh, I didn't say we shouldn't be concerned. Uh, Every time we talk about voting, we need to do our thing and we need to vote. Um, we should all be bothered by an evil, wicked government. But here's the problem, Anonymous. Um, we're looking for answers. We're putting our hope in a change of political party, um, different men or women in political office. And what you heard me say was that there is no hope. That won't change anything. So yes, vote your conscience. And yes, I think we should be concerned. But the reality is, and I'm assuming you're conservative, the reality is, is that our Republican officials, our most recent Republican president, had nothing to do with Jesus Christ had nothing whatsoever and 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 that really exposes our hypocrisy it's okay to be to be evil if you're you support the same values our kingdom is not of this world yes we participate yes we vote yes we have opinions but what we really need to understand is that our kingdom is only going to be saved from heaven and our country Our presidents, our senators, our congressmen, those people are not the enemy of our gospel. They're the object of our gospel. And we need to care as much about them and pray for them, uh, certainly as much or more than we criticize them. What we need to do is recognize that it doesn't matter who's elected, who's sitting in the Senate, who's sitting in the House, or who's sitting in the White House. It doesn't matter because our country has still rejected God. So what's the answer? The answer is from above. We're pilgrims. We're travelers in this world. 
And what we want to do is we want to be a pleasing aroma. And the reality is changing presidents or changing political parties in terms of who's in power won't have any effect at all at bringing people closer to God. May uh, It may make our world a little bit better in terms of uh, there won't be this open acceptance of LGBTQ lifestyles. Uh, it, it may be uh, that our economy will be stronger. It may be that we can stand up and say uh, we have faith in God, we trust in God. But the reality is that a Republican president, a Republican senator, a Republican Congress hasn't really changed things at all because those people are as far away from God, many times proclaiming that they're close to the Lord, they're as far away from God as the, the Democrats are on the left. And as Christians, we've got to recognize that. So yes, we should be concerned. And yes, we should be praying for our leaders um, on either side of the aisle. But to have any hope at all that that's going to change things or make things better is to have a false hope. And false hope, I've always said, is worse than no hope at all. So here's what we do. We pray for God's Spirit to move. You know what I do, Anonymous? I pray for our president not to be more conservative, not to restore us to Christian values, I pray for him to get saved. Because the only thing that's going to really cause a change is for people to get saved, to come to know the living King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Good question, Anonymous. Thank you for tuning in today. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Um, Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow at 4 o'clock on AM 630 The Word. Remember tonight, ladies, our Women's Bible Study, CalvarySA.com at 7, or you can join us, and we'll be back tomorrow on AM 630 The Word. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The Word to Stand On for Life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The Word to Stand On for Life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.